0: Turn your attention to the 17th chapter of the book of Samuel, the 38th verse to the 39th verse, and then the 45th to the 47th verse. It's, again, an honor of mine to be here tonight. I pray that God will speak to each of us and impact our hearts. Who's expecting something from the throne room of God tonight? I give honor again to the leadership of this church. Pastor and Sister Lehman got to spend some time with them tonight and their heartbeat is souls. You're blessed to have them as your pastors of this church. And as well, Pastor Woodward and Sister Woodward, amazing leaders of this church, and Pastor Matt and his wife as well. Uh, uh, He's been so kind to me over this time here and your youth pastor just—you guys are blessed with this great leaders. All it's amazing to have so many leaders come out of this church. It's amazing, Pastor Alex and your wife, Sister Elena, leading this youth group. Greater things are to come in Jesus' name. Anybody believe that? First Samuel seventeen, verses thirty-eight to thirty-nine. Starting at verse thirty-eight. I know I gave verse 8 first. It says, it's a famous passage of scripture, we all know it. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. Verse 39, the Bible says David, he tries to, he tries out the armor. And But the Bible says he had not proved it he He had never used it before. And the Bible says, David said unto Saul, after trying out the armor, I can't go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. Verse 45 in the text. David says to Goliath, Thou comest me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. Verse 46. This day, here's what David declares to Goliath. The Lord deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and take thee thine head from thee and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And last verse, verse 47 where I'll be focusing the main point of this message today. And the Bible says, and all this assembly, he's not just talking about Israelites but as well the Philistines shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I I want to preach from this thought, hell's greatest nightmare. Hell's greatest. Can I tell you hell has nightmares about the church? Let's pray together. Let's lift up our voices. God, we thank you for the service. God, I pray that you'd speak to us. Speak to myself, God. God, speak to every heart. Speak to every mind god minister to our spirits minister to our tomorrows god you are the god of our tomorrows god you have it all in your hands god speak speak to the discouraged speak to the weary god speak to the fatigued. god speak to the broken tonight god let there be an illumination of your spirit that takes place in this service tonight in jesus name why don't we clap our hands unto the lord And you may be seated. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hell's greatest nightmare. The Bible is very clear on this reality that God does not operate based off what is visible. He always speaks first. Before it is visible. He doesn't work in the natural. He works in the supernatural. And then the supernatural begins to affect the natural. God always speaks first before it's visible. In the beginning of the entire Bible, how God created the entire world. uh, uh, The first thing we hear God says is let there be light. He speaks it in a dark place. He he speaks it before light ever exists. He, He operates based off the unseen rather than the seen. He always speaks before it is visible. The Bible would just put it like this. It says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing from the word of God. The Bible never says, he that hath an eye, let him see what the Spirit is saying. No. But it says repeatedly, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. The Bible later on, it goes on, it's, it says that we walk by faith and not by he, he doesn't operate based on what's seen because it, it's bi- based off what we see then you can give credit to natural means but God ends, ends up working best when the situation looks contradictory to what he says so that by the time his word comes to pass we begin to realize that he is God and he is God all by himself. One day in the Bible, there's a man named Noah. We find him in Genesis where there was never rain. That ever happened on the earth. And yet despite the fact there had never been rain before. It had never yet been seen. God speaks to Noah and says go build a boat, an ark. Before the flood ever comes he he speaks it first. and Everybody else thought it was crazy because what was visible was contradicting with what God was speaking. But God always speaks before it's visible. We find a prophet by the name of Elijah later in the Bible who goes up to a king when there hadn't been any rain yet to come on the earth and the bible says he goes up to king ahab he doesn't tell him that i can see rain coming but but he says i know we haven't had rain but he says i can hear the sound of rain i i may not be able to see it yet but but i believe that god is doing something in the invisible that he's speaking that will affect the visible reality that we cannot yet see He always speaks before it's visible. And so I'm preaching today at a time where it makes faith kind of complicated because uh, what is it that we do when our faith contradicts what we hear? What is it do we do when, when we hear verses like this? We talked about it earlier this morning. It's quoted many times. By his stripes we are healed. But maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling with an illness in your body. You you hear it but you don't yet see what God is doing. What it is it do we do when you hear verses like he who the son sets free is free indeed. But you might be here on this Sunday night. You're in church but you feel like something has you bound what is it do we do when we hear verses that says he will save you and your household but maybe you've got some family members today that are not living for God I mean what is it do we do when our faith contradicts with what we hear but but I've come to talk to someone here tonight talk to a young person talk to anybody who's willing to hear to remind us on this Sunday night that it doesn't matter how messed up things might look it doesn't matter how bad things uh, might be in your corner can I tell you that the Bible still says uh, that God is not a man uh, that he should lie so whatever God declares uh, he will make sure that it comes to pass (laughs) I'm preaching tonight at a very complicated time we live in a society now that says there is no God We we live in a society where Isaiah's warning of woe to them that call what is evil good and and good evil is now our reality. We, We live in a generation now in a time period where people say there is no absolute truth. We live in a world where perversion is now normalized. And in young people's age, and young people are being exposed to perversion at such a young age. People are being exposed to drugs and young people are being exposed and tormented in their minds. and, And it begs the question, especially if you are a young person, it begs the question, how is it that I'm expected to live for God when everything around me points to something else? I mean how is it we're talking about teaching bible studies and p7 clubs and campus ministries uh, how how is it am i supposed to do any of those things uh, when it feels like the culture does not accept any much of truth anymore and everyone says uh, that god is not real i live the way i want to live i live as a dog uh, how do you expect me to live for god when everywhere on social media is just full of nudity and perversion and confusion all around me and so much division all around me but i came to talk to a young person tonight and just remind us tonight to tell you that god has never operated by what's visible but he's always operated by his invisible word of god and as messed up as the visible may seem i still hear god saying in the last days saith god i will pour out my, my spirit upon all flesh Can I tell you tonight that as perverted as our world might look, Jesus still said, upon the rock, upon this rock, he's going to build this church. It doesn't matter how messed up the world looks. Hell shall not prevail against the church. It's not a time to be fearful, but it's a time to be faithful. There is nothing to be afraid of when we embrace what God has for our lives. And so in the text I read here in the book of 1 Samuel, Israel is at a unique juncture in their history. They, they faced many enemies before, but this time they faced a giant that they have never faced before. He's stronger than them. He is named Goliath. It's the famous story of of David and Goliath. It's the enemy of God's people. He comes and he, he taunts them and he insults them. It's hell's always greatest objection to make a church powerless with fear. Because the enemy knows that if we were to operate in our faith, he'd crumble. And so instead of watching us operate in our destinies, he would rather us crumble with fear. Because he knows a, fearless, a fearful church becomes a powerless church. <laughs> a fearful generation becomes a powerless generation. And so... Israel was at an interesting time because they have a king by the name of Saul. Uh, Saul is an interesting character in the Bible because he is, the Bible says, head and shoulders taller than everybody. He is God's anointed king. But, But because of his disobedience, God removes his anointing off of him. And puts it on a young boy by the name of David. But, but in this text that we read tonight, Saul is still the king. He's appointed, but, but unfortunately, he's no longer anointed to be what God wanted him to be. Saul disobeys God's commands on many different opportunities and chances. But there's one moment in the book of 1 Samuel 15 that God gives Saul a very simple instruction... Or so it seems. He tells them to, to kill all the Amalekites. And the Bible says, if, if you check it out in 1 Samuel 15, that Saul disobeys God. And he decides to keep what he views as good and, and removes what he views as bad. Just a reminder for all of us tonight that, that our opinions do not triumph God's word. And if it's in the word of God, it must be obeyed. We live in a world now where people think that their truth and my truth means something. And if if it's not so bad to me, then it must not be that bad. Can I tell you, if it's not found in the word of God, I do not need it in my life. But yet in 1 Samuel 15, it's very interesting what takes place. Before we get to this text we read here tonight, the Bible says that Samuel's trying to find Saul and and the Bible says and it's important to remember something interesting about Saul is even though he's a tall man, the Bible says he's very, if you notice, he's very insecure. It's why later on he he chases David. he's He's a tall man but he's He can't fill the shoes that he's supposed to be filling. A small man in in big shoes. He's very insecure. And, And the Bible says that after he disobeys God, he goes. It's found in 1 Samuel 15, verse 12. He goes and he builds a monument to himself. He's a small man internally, but a big man externally. But after disobeying God, he goes and builds a monument to himself because, I'll tell you tonight, small people always have to tell you how big they really are. (laughs) Because he feels small internally, he tries to prove himself to everybody else externally. But when you're really anointed, you don't need anybody's validation to tell you how anointed you are. Can I tell you tonight, we live in a social media generation that wants to broadcast and build monuments to ourselves to show us how anointed we are or how gifted you are or how amazing you are. Can I tell you why I believe, I do believe we are at a special time with a lot of anointed people and gifted people. Can I tell you that you don't need anybody else's approval to be exactly who God wants you to be. You don't need everybody to know how gifted and anointed you are. Can I tell you, when you really got an anointing you don't care if anybody views you or nobody views you but you say you know what I'm doing this for the glory of God and if God gets the glory out of it then I'll be just all right you don't need Instagram likes and follows and a big following for God to do something with your life. But you can be like David all by yourself and say, you know what? Everybody else might not see me, but I'm never doing it for them anyways. There's only one applause that I'm living for, and that's Jesus Christ. We live, we live in a society where we highlight public victories more than private devotion but can I tell you tonight and we have set this thing up where, and I've said this sometimes so I'm not trying to criticize but but I'm just trying to say something we, we've lived in a time now where, where we say listen if you could just have your private time with God then one day God will give you a public victory can I tell you that while we might look at it that way can I tell you with God obedience is just obedience you being by yourself teaching a Bible study when nobody's around is just as glorious to God as you do it when everybody else is around you spending time with just you and Jesus praying in his presence can I tell you everybody else might not know about it but it's music to God's ears we don't need an audience to be anointed in fact sometimes God would minimize the crowd when he comes to people like Gideon He didn't need a large crowd to get the victory. All he needed was one person to get a hold of what he was trying to do. And that was enough for him. And so in the story we read, Goliath shows up. Saul is very fearful of what's about to take place. He's fearful because Goliath is... Bigger than him. Now it's amazing because Saul was known for his height. (laughs) And the thing that got him scared was someone that was taller than him. It's amazing that his greatest strength became his greatest weakness when the enemy showed up. This is why we cannot rely on our strength when we're fighting hell. Because as amazing as we are in our own humanity, we are nothing towards the gates of hell. Hell is not scared of how charismatic we are. Hell is not scared of how talented we are. Hell is not scared if you've got the greatest uh, vocal abilities or you can speak really well. Can I tell you, hell is not fearful of that. But what scares hell is someone that's aligned with our Lord. And so Saul has depended on his talent all this time. But now someone shows up that's bigger than him. And so hell... The Philistines in this text, they begin to taunt him. They begin to set things up to him. And he begins to mock God's people. And then we go to verse 38 in the text. If you can put it up there. The Bible says, so David, up to this moment... Goliath is taunting them, and he says, send me a man that can fight, and no one shows up. But Saul makes a promise that, that anybody who goes to fight, he gives them a reward for the fight. And so David shows up, and he believes the king's reward. So he goes to Saul, and he says, I'll fight him, and I'll deal with him. In verse 38, The Bible is very interesting in this detail it gives us. So Saul looks at David and he gives him his armor to fight the Philistines. Now, this is not crazy for Saul to do it this way, because throughout the book of 1 Samuel, you will find Saul had other battles that he fought. And it would be the same armor that he fought that he was trying to give to David to fight this battle. I don't think it was a bad intention with Saul's mind. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But, but verse 39 says this, if you put it up there. David, he tries to use it. But he says, I've never used this before. So I'll just go with what I've already been used to. Now it's interesting because Saul, his armor would have gotten victories before and David is rejecting a more experienced man's methods to face a current devil or giant in this text. But can I just interject this tonight and say this, as if that the kingdom of God is restricted to a method. As if that the ministry of the kingdom of God is restricted to a specific method to accomplish the victory. And can I tell you tonight that yesterday's miracles were great. But that doesn't mean that God has to stick to the same script to deal with today's battles. Sometimes we can begin to worship a method more than the miracle worker. And God doesn't want us to get obsessed with methods. God wants us to get obsessed with him. And he can use whatever he wants to accomplish the victory. Let me bring it to where we live. I'm afraid that sometimes in the kingdom of God, sometimes, that when it comes to ministry and the kingdom of God that sometimes we have restricted the ministry of the kingdom of God to a pulpit a platform and a microphone like that's only where God moves and God and we got to shift our perspective because as if the God of the universe is restricted to a platform and as if the God of the universe is restricted to a microphone. While a platform and a microphone can get the job done. Can I tell you tomorrow in your lunchroom at class. When you're, a, when you're the only apostolic there. And little Michael is there in French class or math class and and he's struggling with depression. Can I tell you that the anointing of the Holy Ghost works just as much right there as it does up here. Can I preach to someone and tell you tonight that the power and the anointing that we preach about here. It's just as much as powerful. Again, I don't want to disrespect the church of the living God. I think it's great we gather together. I think we need to gather together. I think you guys are very blessed at this church and you got a great group of saints at this church and great leadership and, and great the facilities. Amazing. But as if the God that we serve is restricted to this. Let me tell you, if Pentecost is restricted to a building then we've missed out what God wants to do in this last day revival. But you know what? You know what really happens with the Power of the Holy Ghost on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, the anointing of the Holy Ghost is just as strong. You don't have to be a great sermonizer for God to do something with your life. I remember when I one new disciple that came to the Lord, I remember. He said, he said, Amani. He said, I'm trying to find my ministry. He said, he said, I don't know where I fit in in the church. He said, I can't sing. I, I looked at him and said, well, you've got a friend in me on that one. <laughs> he said, I I'm not talented, I don't feel like God can use me for anything. I shared this funny story one day at my church. I remember years ago. You guys have had Brother Ricardo here before and I remember I th- he said, can you play the drums and I should have listened to the question carefully. But I said, yes, now, my, what I was thinking and what he was thinking, let's just say we weren't on the same page. So he said, really? I said, yeah, really. Now, I was just thinking like I could do some, just one step there and. One few little beats. And by the way, I'm describing You're like, this guy does not play the drums. So I said, yeah. So he said, okay, after church, let's, let's, let's see what you can do. So we, we got on there. And he's like, all right. He was like really excited. He's like, yes, we've been looking for a younger drummer. This is awesome. I'm like excited. I'm like, let's do this. And so he starts playing. He gives me the headset. I'm in the drum cage. And, and he's like, okay, go. <laughs> and then I went. And, and let's just say it's eight years and I'm still waiting for him to get back to on me. But I mean, is the God that we serve restricted to a drum cage? No. The anointing of God is bigger than our armor and what we think he's just used in the past. Let's just pray one moment in the Holy Ghost right now. Let's Come on. God wants to put something in a young person's heart. God wants to use you to launch a Bible study in your high school. God wants to anoint you to do something great for him. You don't have to, you don't have, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be the most talented. God doesn't need talent. God can anoint whoever he wants to anoint to to accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish. He doesn't need a method. He doesn't need a microphone to use you for his kingdom. But there's purpose on everybody's life in this place tonight. And so, in the story, Goliath scares them and David has this interaction with Goliath, with Saul, sorry, and he takes his own armor that he's used to, the way God has used him in and he's comfortable with that and he says Saul, I may not be able to use what you've used but i got something that's just as strong because the God who gave you victories with your armor is the same God who gave me victories when I was a private shepherd boy and so he goes to Goliath. Now if you put up verse 45 here in this text here tonight Everything with God from the very beginning, if we realize it, sometimes we are so focused on ourselves. What I mean by that is we talk about the miracles that God can do for our lives. And I, I'm like that too most times. I'm, I'm just concerned about what God will do for me. But can I tell you that at some point in our walks with God, We've got to graduate from it being about ourselves. And we've got to start thinking about someone else. Jesus would put like this in the New Testament. He said the two most important commandments is that you would love the Lord your God with all thy heart, thy mind, and your soul. But then he said the second is just as important as the first. I think sometimes myself, I'll speak on myself, I can stop just loving him. But I can forget that he didn't just put me on this earth for me just to have a great time with him. But how about them? How about the people who've never heard about him? How about the people who who are are struggling day to day and have no hope in this world. Can I tell you, in our world today, there's people, I work with people. I'm around a lot of people. And people can have so much earthly success. But when you sit down and ask them about their lives, they say, it just feels like things are hopeless. That there is no hope. Can I tell you that? It would be a shame if we just focused on ourselves and forgot that the message of the kingdom is for everybody. Everybody that Jesus died for, this message is for them. It doesn't matter how confused they are. It doesn't matter how, if we disagree with their political ideologies. Can I tell you, Jesus He died for everybody. It doesn't matter how messed up they are. It doesn't even matter how annoying they are. Everyone says amen. (laughs) He died for them all. And so the Bible says, David... He goes, and it's important to watch this text because it's not just about David and Goliath. It's not even just for the children of Israel. It's even for the people that are the enemies of God because everything God did was not just for his own people to know him. He told Abraham, I will bless you. But then he said this, through you, the nations of the world will be blessed. You know why? Because it wasn't just, about them it was about the people that surrounded them to begin to realize that there's something about the god they serve it's not like the sun god and and the moon god but but by the time the one true god was done doing what he did the people who never knew about him would come to the conclusion that there's something about these people and so he tells them David says, You come with me with the sword and spear and with the shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies whom thou hast defied. If you put up verse 47, I want to focus on this. It's the last piece of this message tonight. The Bible says that all this assembly, as we just clarified, he's not just talking to the Israelites or The Philistines, or even King Saul and Goliath. He's talking to everybody. That the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. Now, it's interesting the words David uses. It's interesting because everything in the Bible was there not by coincidence. It was there by purpose. It it was there for a reason. Everything in the text is there for a reason. Now, I've read this story and heard about this story from the time I I can remember. David Goliath, but, but this specific verse that David addresses the the enemy who is Goliath in this text is very intentional. It's intentional because four chapters previously if you could put up 1 Samuel 13 verse 22 four chapters before this take place Israelites are fighting the Philistines and The Bible says that it came to pass in the day of the battle that there was neither nor sword nor spear that was found in the hand of any of the people except Saul and Jonathan. And the reason for this was if you look at 1 Samuel 13, verse 19 to 22, the reason was the Philistines were the ones producing the swords and spear because they were the blacksmiths. And they withheld swords and spears from the Israelites to weaken them for the time of battle. So the enemy... It was a very smart strategy. Said, you can fight us if you want, but we'll take your weapons from you. And we'll take what you're using to kill us with. And so, when David is addressing them four chapters later, and he's telling Goliath, but he's not just talking to Goliath. He's talking also to the enemy. And he's saying, listen, this day it's going to be understood that the Lord does not even need the sword and spear for the victory. In other words, what he was trying to get across is is what you took from us, (laughs) what the enemy conspired for evil. God does not need it to get the victory, (laughs) but he will still accomplish what he set out to accomplish. And can I come to talk to someone here tonight to tell you what the enemy's greatest fear is, is over the last few years it feels like the enemy has gained a lot of ground. It feels like I don't know about you but it feels like there's so much that has changed in our world after everything that has taken place. Lockdown after lockdown it feels like everything the enemy is gaining more ground on the world. and It feels like things are more messed up today uh, than it's ever been before Uh, I don't know about you but it was a crazy time for me uh, when we couldn't even gather together and assemble together in the presence of God uh, due to everything that was going on Uh, but I've come tonight to tell someone here tonight uh, that the devil is not in control and he is not on the throne uh, but the God that we serve uh, he takes whatever the enemy meant for evil and he brings glory out of it in fact I don't know about you but COVID-19 did cause a lot of distress but COVID didn't stop miracles COVID didn't stop the outpouring of the Holy Ghost COVID didn't stop people getting baptized in Jesus name COVID never stopped the church COVID couldn't stop nothing you know why because hell's greatest nightmare is that its greatest plan God will use for his own glory Why don't we stand in music and come back here tonight? This is not just something, as I always say, that I'm just talking about tonight. I've been able to witness this. On one of our campus ministry Zoom calls, there there was an individual who joined the meeting who she told us this. She said we asked how did you find us she said when COVID hit i was hungry for god i grew up catholic she said so i youtubed online how to receive the gift of the holy ghost she said and i found a preacher on youtube Guiding people on how to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost So I watched the video by myself I lifted up my hands and I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance But here's what's so crazy about that story. That's crazy, but here's what ended up happening that Monday night she brought her mom on the Zoom call. Now, hear me. I, I don't know this for a fact but I'll tell you, I highly doubt it. Had we been meeting in person at that time I highly doubt that her mother would have walked into our university campus found our classroom and been a part with all these young adults in that room. Yes, yeah, sometimes we we do have a cancel culture on old people. Wouldn't have made sense for her to show up. But she joined that Zoom call that night and she messaged the chat that she said, hey, my mother wants to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So she lifted up her hands on that Zoom call and we prayed together on that Zoom call. Everyone was praying and the guest speaker we brought on was praying. And, and God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And she began to speak with other tongues. Can I tell you that that same family, the individual who watched it on YouTube, she came to church and it was in the midst of COVID. She got baptized in Jesus' name. Don't worry, we were socially distanced. She got baptized in Jesus' name. Her mom came and got baptized in Jesus name her younger sister came and she received the gift of the Holy Ghost at our youth convention. And, and she, she got baptized in Jesus' name now. And she's bringing friends to church. Can I tell you that hell's greatest nightmare is when we begin to realize that it doesn't matter what the what comes against us. It doesn't matter what hell tries to conspire. That in this room is hell's greatest nightmare. We have the power to change this world. And so tonight, as we come to this altar, I'm not asking for us to come for ourselves, but I'm asking for us to step out in faith for someone that God places on your heart. I want you to think of someone from your high school or someone from your middle school or someone from your campus. I want you to speak think of your co-workers I want you to think of your community and, and let's watch God he already has but let's watch God triumph against every supernatural darkness that exists in this city and I'm declaring this in faith with Capital Community Church that we have not we won't even have enough seats in this place in the amount of souls that will be born again based off the people that are in this room that are going to change the world why don't you step out of your seats and come to the front of this altar and let's start praying for the city let's start going to war for this city let's start praying for everybody everybody that Jesus died for Everybody that he shed his blood for. Let's pray. Let's turn this altar into a prayer meeting. We are hell's greatest nightmare. Call out their names. Call out your neighborhood. Call out your campus. Call out your high school. And call it out in faith. You've got leadership in this church that are passionate about people. And I know in this room tonight there are people who've already made a difference in the kingdom but we haven't seen anything yet. Let's come on, let's lift up our voices together. Not for a miracle for ourselves, but let someone begin to intercede for this city. Let's begin to pray for Fredericton. Let's pray for every high school. There are people that are dying every day. Let's pray for our community. The world changes in this room. God give me a burden for my community. God, give me a burden for my workplace. God, give me a burden for my city. We're gonna pull them out of their drugs and God's gonna pull them out of their alcohol. Begin to sing in the psalter, but let's keep praying. Yeah.